Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome back, but this is actually our first attempt at a current only focus pod, and I'm not sure what we'll eventually call it, but this is Thad Bell from the Blue Testament. I have Daniel Sperry from the Kansas City Star and Kirsten Ross from the Blue Crew, or is there a better way to, to introduce you? No, that's that's pretty much what I'm, what I'm doing. One of the, actually, and one of the first things I wanted to ask you about was, if I understand correctly, you were the designer of the last TIFO, or is, is it of all the TIFOs? It's not of all of them. Uh, I did design the last one. Uh, Anna, one of the other Blue Crew leadership members, does some of them as well. But between the two of us, we cover most of them. Right. This one was fun. Yeah. This one, the the laser eyes <laughs> from Low staring at me as i was i was walking my parents because of the media game they came and they took my tickets um my allotted tickets for the media game so i was going to be in the press box and one of the like four media members that are actually working at that event um and uh i was walking them to my seats and like just lowe's laser eyes were just staring at me from pretty much every angle as i took them around uh the stadium into their seats so uh pretty job with all the tifos have been really good so including the, the 81 yeah. So was there something we, that gave you that idea specifically or? Yeah. So during the challenge cup, when they did the low, or they had like the low um, billboard downtown and one of the other blue crew leadership members had mentioned something along the lines of like Lozilla because it was so tall. And then I kind of created a design. And then um, after we did the AD one, I was like, okay, we could take this a step further. 
And that's when we <laughs> really built out the design that went, turned out to be what the TIFO was. So it's kind of funny. The biggest TIFO that you guys have done is for what almost the shortest player. player on the, on yeah. the roster. <laughs> well, I kind of jokingly, I messed it up. I was talking to some of the culture people. I was like, so what's the biggest Roger one you've done? Just to make sure we were at least as big. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I don't, I, there's been so many cauldron TIFOs over the years. I can't remember the last Roger one, but. Uh, there's one that yeah. people thought might be him, but it was never okay. specifically stated it was him. Interesting. Okay. That was really, really big. Huh. Maybe you guys should like include a Roger <laughs> and Low one at some point. A crossover. That'd be kind of fun. Crossover pod or crossover, uh, crossover uh, TIFO. Goodness gracious my words i'm stumbling <clears throat> yeah it could be uh cauldron works on it and you guys work on the other one and and like merge it in the middle for two games in a row or something that'd be kind of cool yeah, that'd be kind of cool yeah. so hey that's i'm just here to give you ideas i don't do any of the work though <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i kind of made a little studio in the basement for the prep work on them so it's been kind of nice this season that's, a, uh, that's good you must have a good sized basement to do the last one no, so I just I just kind of build them in pieces, and then we've gotten to use the North Kansas City uh, High School band room a little bit to build them out and do a lot of the big painting. I was going to say when I wrote the story on the surface tension at the beginning of the year, Carrie had mentioned that you know her band room and the space and kind of behind uh, that whole area have been perfect for tifo painting. So good way yeah. to good way to use publicly funded <laughs> classrooms for. <laughs> for even greater causes so <laughs> yeah probably better than some of the uses that have been but yeah hey i was a band kid so most of those uh most of those classrooms should have been used very well very well hey you, you uh, you've heard stories about my daughter and music so yeah i'm completely in agreement all right uh i guess like the breaking news today was Haley mace got called up to the national team yeah, so, super exciting. Was it a little bit of surprise or what? I mean, it I definitely took me by surprise. I'm not, I, I, I am, but I'm not just because you haven't seen a lot of traction around U.S. national team players with the non-injured players on our team. But um, like, I know that they'd mentioned AD a little bit, at least being kind of around the pool. But that was pretty exciting for her. She's played incredibly this season. Yeah, I think. I, I thought it was due, um, to be honest. Uh, fullback is a position that they're obviously in need of right now, as Crystal Dunn is sure joining the team for training, but it's not a body that you can put on a match day roster. Um, and especially if you're going to lose Kelly O'Hara, then you really need another body that you can put on the match day roster. And someone who Vlaco put her in the ID camp before, um, I think that injury that she had uh, in the Challenge Cup really hindered um, any uh, prolonged resurgence throughout the start of the season. Um, but in my opinion, it's no coincidence that by the time she really was back full flowing and full uh, up and down the field, fo fully integrated in the attack, um, both phases of the match, I thought that, that that's right when the run started. It was that, that first game against Louisville um, that started that run was like a, a very good Haley Mace game. And I was like, okay, 
maybe she's coming back. Like this is kind of what we saw for glimpses of those first couple, uh, first couple challenge cup games in Louisville and Chicago that she was so electric in, but then that injury kind of uh, messed things up there. So I, I'm glad that it, that she got called in. Um, I think it's good for Vlaco to call in a girl who is, you know, from is playing in, you know, if you did it, you called up plenty of Washington spirit players. Um, you got to try at least call in a Kansas city player um, here and they've, they've been doing well. So they, somebody deserved a look in there. And I think if you just general national team opinions, if you continue to, Roll with players, regardless of whether or not they're in form, doesn't send the message for them, uh, especially when they're younger players, that they really need to push themselves and improve. Um, people on the men's side like to get after Greg Berhalter um, about how he has chosen to do his roster, but I think how he approached the summer and leaving certain players out, giving certain players opportunities, already qualified for the World Cup build up games to the world cup, testing yourself against opponents, but took a look at the fringe and created some competition with the fringe, left some guys out who like Sargent, who had been uh, key pieces of that run. And wow, look who's firing on all cylinders uh, at the start of the season in Europe, because they were motivated by the fact that they had lost their spot. And so I think in the long run, I'd like to see Vlaco maybe, um, not be a more not be afraid to do that more. Um, I know he did talk about that in the press conference. That he didn't feel that players were at a point yet where they needed to quote lose their national team status. But I think at some point you have to figure out like this team, the U.S. Women's National Team's roster is set one through eighteen. We know who those players very likely are going to be, but we don't know about those fringe players. And the more competition you um, <clears throat> create for those final five, six, seven slots then uh, in my opinion, the better off the national team will be when it comes to the World Cup. And especially if one of those top 18 players falls out due to injury or something like that, you've really created a competition um, to fill in that spot that is driving players' form um, up both in league play and with the national team. So, You wondered pretty far afield there, Mr. Sperry. You got all the way through the men's national team and Josh Sargent and all hey, the man. way back to Kansas City again. Hey man, so he I think the men's team is a little better at rotating those fringe areas. Um, that's one thing, like historically, the U.S. women's national team has not been good at. I think um, there have been a lot of players who have gone to World Cups that maybe didn't need to still be on a roster. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody on this roster that you would like to see not on it? <laughs> this one's not as stark that way um if you'd asked me a couple of years ago there's a few who i think it was time to rotate maybe earlier than they were um we can go back to like there's for sure names i think uh, back like 2015 and stuff where there there were more talented players you could have brought or could have given more time to that could have made it a more efficient team on the field yeah i know in some of those uh world cups there was definitely players playing not in their best positions i won't mention Lauren Holiday's name. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, I did. Um, yeah, but it, I, I mean, I, I do. I do know the point you're making about the men's national team, but they're in a spot where they've already qualified now, and they can do it a little bit more. But I, I think Berhalter did do it pretty well in even going through the qualifying, as he called in a lot of different people, mm-hmm. and some of it because he had to, some of it because he's taking a look mm-hmm. at people. Uh, I don't know if the pool is the same 
the, the pool for the men's side has expanded so rapidly over the last few years. I mean, it's, it's went from, you used to have maybe 25 guys that were even in consideration. And now there's probably 150 guys that are at least in consideration, not saying they're all ready to go on there, but at least in that, taking a look, you're at least thinking about them. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta be tracking. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. guys playing all over the place now and, you know, I used, it used to be sit down on a Saturday morning and I would know exactly, okay, I want to watch two games and that would include all the guys in Europe. Uh, but the women's game is completely different. Most of that is, most of those players are in the NWSL. Uh, pretty much, I think, one or two in the Mexican League. A few in France, England that might be needing a look. But, F, but the vast majority of them are in NWSL and you know, Vaco yeah. can go to Children's Mercy Park and see a new team rotate through every week. Yep. I do think that part of that difference, though, is I'd be curious to see how the pool expands for the women once they get a CONCACAF, like, Champions League or in the Nations League kind of stuff going, where they have more things to play for. Because right now they are limited in the competitions they have to pull, call the pull up for. And there's a difference in playing for something versus playing in friendlies. Yeah. And like that nation's league and stuff, it makes a difference for the men. You get more opportunities to kind of establish yourself. Yeah. I agree Absolutely. with that. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to see that happening sooner than later. Uh, let's, let's get more games against other competition besides just the, you know, two games against North Carolina, two games against Portland, et cetera. Well, too, like CONCACAF as a whole, like the countries themselves become a significantly more competitive, like, you know, area than it was even the previous round of qualifications. I mean, Congress yep. qualifiers this time around was hugely competitive for women. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that entire world for women's soccer is, is completely different than what it was just a few years ago. It, the mm-hmm. quality is improved in every country. There's, it used to be there'd be two, three, four countries that might be competitive with the U.S. I mean, the U.S. didn't win everything, but it was is really just a very small handful. But now there's a dozen countries or twenty mm-hmm. countries or that can yeah. can knock the U.S. off at any given moment. And it's not it's never going to be a cakewalk again to go through qualifying. It's never going to be a cakewalk again to go through a group stage at the World Cup. And that's actually all the better because that makes. Mm-hmm. It means Nike sells a few less U.S. jerseys with somebody's name on the back, but it does mean that women's game continues to grow and sp- spread. Retweet, favorite. Uh, the only thing I'll add to this is that, like, I thought Greg called in a very large roster for those summer that summer stretch where he had those friendlies. Um, and I, I, I just wonder if Lotko could have called in a very large roster as well, where he's calling in 27 to 30 women in to take a look at and see, really evaluate, get them in training and competition with each other. That was, that was going to be my only comment as to how maybe he could further take a look at the pool because he talks about players being in the pool, but a difference between actually being called into the national team. Well, let's get some of those players side by side in a training environment and see if that, if his opinion changes at that moment. So that just one little, one little thought that I thought I'd put back in there. I'm, I'm actually hoping to talk to him later this week. So I will ask him that question. Don't at least I'll try to. Like in the past, People have come from other countries because they had a way to qualify to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. I'm curious to see when it comes to, like, citizenship and 
um, people being on different teams, if the importance of cap tying is going to increase on the women's side, as you see the region get a lot more competitive. Yeah. Do we always get the top players anymore? No, that's a, that's a really good point too. Cause it, <laughs> it, it used to be in uh, when they were doing through like CONCACAF qualifying and you looked at the Mexico squad, uh, a third of them would actually be native born Americans who had mm-hmm. Mexican ancestry somewhere. Um, if, if not more, you would see that in Canada, you would see that mm-hmm. with England, et cetera. And so you see a lot of Americans on all those rosters. Now it might be much more competitive for some of those players. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good point on that. It, it, and again, it's, it gets great for the whole growth. It, it's not as great for America being able to say we're the number one team in the world all the time, but it's really good for the growth of the game. It just means more the next time we get to say number one in the world again. Exactly. <laughs> Which I still expect America to be at the top for the next couple cycles, at least, but it's just so much closer and they will right. get knocked off more and more often. So I just hope it doesn't happen to poor Vlaco because I, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you guys, anyone, I, because I, I'll just, I'll, I'll help co-host. How's that? We'll say here for just a well, second. Well, I, I was going to say, go ahead. North, did you watch North Carolina and Portland tonight? Um, watched uh, a very good win for North Carolina, who is the opponent on Sunday for our Kansas City Current. I did not get to watch any of it, but they are scoring three and four goals a game every game now for like the last five or six games since their players came back from the international break. Kind of yeah, sucks. I didn't watch it, but I've seen some highlights and I've seen some of the stuff that kind of went down with it. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. They're lightning on the counter. I think we saw that in the Challenge Cup. We saw that in the in the game in North Carolina. But man, did they did they get forward really fast with very good players and technical, technically gifted players that are willing to go right at you. And I think it's uh, it's kind of dangerous for a team like Kansas City who. Uh, thrives on the press and thrives on numbers high um, and can get hit on the counter, kind of what we saw in that first matchup in uh, in Kerry. Yeah, it, for sure. It could easily be another 4-3 game or 5-4 game, actually, with these two teams. I did see Ordonia's got hurt, so that could impact them a little bit going into the game this weekend, though. Yeah, and you got to wonder. I mean, they're trying to play catch-up on games, too, I believe. So they're trying to get uh, yeah. to, you know, every other week, every other, every other day, if they're playing a game is what it feels like. So um, they're going to be busy with those double game weeks. And as we've seen with sporting and we've seen with MLS, how quickly does that um, kill legs, uh, create injuries and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, cause lack of being able to practice all that stuff. They're just up to 14 games right now. And Kansas city is at 16 games. Kansas city has a game in hand on the two teams above them in the standings and equal yeah. with portland at the top so it, it i want to will... say kansas city is the only team in portland probably the only two teams that haven't had a game postponed because of something yeah COVID, we got close. whatever yeah we got very close <laughs> and they they probably took what? a loss because of that they didn't because they didn't cancel one when yeah. they had five but there was like five players out being yeah. low is one of them yes yeah both that like, entire road trip players it was like yeah. impactful players out. Yeah. Yes. And they had a 
the COVID relief player activated and actually came in for a few minutes for that game. I don't remember what her name was. Sorry. I didn't even realize she actually did. She was the COVID relief player for somebody else like the week before that. Wow. It's a pool of players. It's what it, it's what it sounded like uh, when I was trying to talk to people about how they were going to be able to play those games. There's a, there's a pool of players that they can kind of call in based on they have a scouting reports out and they know, okay, this position, we need this kind of a player and we'll grab this person. So. Kind, of, kind of like MLS pool players or goalies, pool goalies. Goalkeepers, yes. Nice. <laughs> so, Kirsten, you, you have been a follower because I, mean, I still say this is the same team from FCKC even though they don't get the stars. Um, when you when you move all the players and all the draft picks and all the resources from Kansas City to that place out west and then back here again, um, it's the same team. Yeah. So you you follow this team forever. How how much fun are you guys having this year with them? You know, they started off not so great in the regular season. The the Challenge Cup was really pretty good, but the regular season was kind of terrible to start. But just building and building and building and being more consistent and more dangerous and just a, kind of a fun team to watch. How, how much, how much has that meant to you? How much fun is it for you? It's been a blast. Uh, it's been really cool in that there's a lot of Luke crew members who joined us as we, we were still growing towards the end of the FCKC days. And uh, so it's been really cool for those people to finally get to experience what it's like when we're winning. There's a core group of our leadership that we were in Portland. We were in Seattle for championships, but there's a lot of people who weren't, who saw some rough, rough seasons. So that's been really, really cool. I'll be honest, I know for a lot of our original core group that's still around, we weren't worried at the beginning of the season. I mean, we were disappointed that we you know, had as many injuries as we did, but we've also seen championship teams start really bad and come around about the same time this team turned it around. I mean, if you look at when the FCKC championship years, we weren't good to start the season ever. Nope. We, we started good some other years, but faded. But the, when we actually won things, we didn't start very good. We had to kind of come on hot late, which is what you want to do. Yeah. And that was actually one of the that things was- I always thought about Vlaco teams is they, I always felt they started a little bit slow, but like, because then you would like fine tune that team and they would just get better and better and better and better. So by the end of the season, they were usually, they may not have been the hottest team. They might've been, may not have been the highest scoring team, but they were just clicking. Yeah, and there's components of Potter's system that kind of remind me of those like peak FCKC years where you ne- didn't necessarily know where to find people on the field. It's a very fluid system, kind of like what he played with the players. And I mean, I can think of so many players with him where we would sign somebody and you expected them to be one thing. And by the time they really started making a stamp on the field, it was in a completely different area of the field. I mean, look at uh, Yael when she played. She was not designed to be where, where she, you know, she was an attacking midfielder and she ended up anchoring our defense. You know, you could say this same thing about several different players that we've had. Um, Merritt Mathias was another one and another attacker who ended up becoming a great winger, similar to kind yeah. of what they done with Haley Mays. Yeah, I even think of like what's impressed me the most is it takes a player like, uh, let's say, Addison Merrick played uh, in a 4-4-2 in Louisville, um, played a little bit as an outside back, sometimes as a center back, 
Um, she's come here and when even though she hasn't been starting a ton, she fits in really well as an outside of the three center backs. And it, it Stacey Kaiser again from Louisville, she played a bit very true number 10, very cam player. She's even talked, mm-hmm. told me, you know, she had so many defensive responsibilities on her, but she gets put in a system with ball winners beneath her that are very, very active players. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we haven't even seen Chloe Lagarzo on the field yet, but I won't, she's got called into the Australian national team. I mean, we, there's another midfielder, ball winning, very tenacious midfielder that also fits into the equation in there. That's uh, ability to play underneath third and it frees her up. Um, and so the ability for Potter to find players, um, and even for management to find players that, um, knowing where they want to play them within that system, it truly brings out the best qualities and traits out of those players. Um, I think it, the injuries we talked about, like kind of hamstrung them to a little bit where they had to play at least Bennett as a striker, like an out and out striker earlier on in the season. And I don't know that that's been her, when she's been at her best, she's been on the wing mm-hmm. driving with the ball at players and forcing defenders to make difficult decisions. And she's willing to lay it off. She's willing to take shots from tough angles. So like those, all those little things about the system has just been really kind of interesting to watch and how the system is very uh skill set based versus role like an exact role or like the the roles are tailored to the skill set not so much that we are trying to fit you into the number 10 role despite the fact that you may not have like the best defensive work rate um kind of a thing and so when and you're in a spot that you're really relied upon to get back you don't get back um but you've alleviated that pressure because of other players that you put on the field around them to kind of make them better so i i think that's been an interesting like when you're working with the coach year one like covering sporting is really easy because i know like exactly what vermees wants out of almost every single position and you are trying to learn as this coach is trying to learn about the the roster that he has and how he can best use it so that's been kind of a fun challenge um along the way because he doesn't like to give away any sort of secret and so talking about talking about like what he's what the system has turned into and what you were saying of like you think a certain player should might be at a certain place say oh no we see them as a winger or or a more advanced player with player like you know she's been a true midfielder in France so I'm thinking okay she's going to come in and be a very much deeper lying player and all of a sudden she comes in and she's kind of much more attacking minded but she's killing it and you're like oh okay way to go you're like you've done your homework and you've figured out the the right ways to get the right skill sets in the right system so that's uh it's a bit of a props to everyone for doing that but um it's been kind of fun to see that all shape shape out on the field because I haven't had to this is the first time in a while I've like really had to learn something new about a soccer team that I've covered. And that is, it's kind of fun, frustrating at times, but kind of fun. Yeah. And kind of difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is another good example of that too. She's had the, as a rookie been thrown into a lot of different roles this year. I mean, mm-hmm. filling in for Des when she's out on international duty and stuff, that's not an easy position to fill when you're otherwise played more of an attacking position or a center back. Mm-hmm. Des plays like a very specific and key position on this team in terms of the way she intercepts attacks and triggers our own. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a rookie coming in. 
but she filled in so well in that role. Mm-hmm. So well. Yeah. Yeah. And as Desi continues to joke about that, she should have retired five, six years ago. You're like, okay, well, we know where Alex is going when, whenever Desi does choose to hang him up, because uh, seriously, those four or five games that she played in that role, I was very, very impressed more so than other times that I had seen her in that role earlier on in the season, especially in the challenge cup. There's a couple of times where she came in as the DM and I wasn't hundred percent sold on it, but yeah, that, that as the true six and just kind of a destroyer in the middle, that was, that was kind of fun to watch her put in some crunching tackles here and there and spray passes into the channels and stuff like that for attackers to run onto. It kind of yeah. it reminded me of like Buzzkowski and Desik when they were both played for FTKC. They're very different and playing the same role. Like there, there's different ways you can play that role. And Buzz was more of the intellectual and just always positioned in the right spot. Whereas Dez goes after a little bit more of the crunching tackles. And mm-hmm. I think with Loera, she kind of started out more the other way. And then when she was filling mm-hmm. in for Dez in those games, all of a sudden you saw that crunching tackle, the more attacking mindset come into it. And it really changed kind of the way that whole midfield worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in those FCKC days with Buzz and Des, that was because it was usually the double pivot back there because it was like, yeah. he usually went with the four two three one. So they were a really great complement to each other because like Buzz didn't have to run as much because she knew Des would, you know, knock the ball loose. She just needed to know where to be to pick the ball up and move it to somebody else. Yeah. Um, that's why Loera was kind of really impressive during that time was because it, there was, I mean, there was a point like, you know, you really hate to see, you always want, players to get called up and represent their national team but there's times you go oh man i really wish they weren't going to go because these are serious crunch of games here and then i was like yeah okay you can call des up again yeah i mean no no offense to her no disrespect but it was it it was almost as good if not better at times it's wild the depth this team has like it to mm-hmm. me it, it blows me away that you can lose basically if you're going to compare it to mls your two dp signings yep and I mean, you compare directly to Sporting KC in a nine and a, and a, and a midfielder, right? Like, yeah. goodness gracious. <laughs> and it, it's crazy. Like, yeah, we struggled a little bit to start the season, but it just took a little time to gel. And once they kind of figured out how to work the roles in the team with who we had, it's amazing how well things have been interchangeable. And because of the quality of depth, they can rotate the squad a lot. I mean, like, we didn't have the same roster starting a game for a long time this season. I think it's only happened a few times, so. Yeah. That's a- I, if, if you want to talk about, too, about players that have been thrown into different different spots, to me, low kind of yeah. accents that hardcore, because at the beginning of the season, she was kind of playing as the 10 um, because mm-hmm. the midfield was crowded with Desi. Um, especially those first two Challenge Cup games. It was Desi, Sam, and, uh, um, goodness, uh, Victoria uh, Pickett as the as the midfield three and low kind of playing deeper in while Lynn and Christian Hamilton were charging forward up a little bit wider, but as two strikers up there. And I, it, it worked. They were creating tons of chances, high-quality chances. They were dangerous, but – just kind of turned her into a true uh a true eight almost like very much plays like uh her own husband does uh on the field and uh, a little bit maybe a little bit more slightly more attacking talent than roger these days um roger in his early days uh, i think might have had the had the the cake there but i just in watching her really blossom into this 
really good box to box midfielder, very comfortable on the ball and his service and kind of the, the spiritual leader has been very, very fun to see. Um, and, you know, how easily she's able to adapt to two different roles, but um, how much, how well this second role is really fitting her as well. Um, Cause she's pretty accurate with her ball, with the passes that she plays. Um, and I think, you know, that, that was something that was missing very early on when she was higher up on the field as they, they were misplaying a lot of balls from the midfield, from the back line, mm-hmm. forward passes. I mean, the passing rate, the passing percentage, completion percentages were below 65 almost for like three or four games straight there. Um, and it was really, really rough to watch. Now you watch this team pass and move in tight spaces and split lines and stuff like that. And it's like, who the heck was this team, you know, five or six weeks ago? But it's players like Lowe who really stepped up and helped uh, create that tempo and create created that ball movement um, within the players to really be so dangerous as they are when they turn teams over. I think they need to still work on improving that though, that, that passing. I I agree. I agree. It's not where I would hope a championship winning team would be. You obviously you can have different styles for these things. You can have teams that never are great at passing and just always, you know, lump it forward and go, but I don't see that's where this team needs to be in the future, but we'll see. We got We've we got a just a couple more minutes. Last year. What's that? We came a long way from last year's passing percentages. Last year felt a lot choppier even than this year. Oh, definitely. That's, I, that's true. But it's also a vastly different roster too. I mean, yeah. there's a, a good amount of roster turnover and a lot of those young players that came in that were either from the draft the previous year or the draft this year that have helped some of that. And then it, it just helped to gel all that. So we'll say. Yeah. Uh, speaking of picket, that was another big news story this week that we didn't even touch on. Um, we only got a couple of minutes. So just real quick, it's very surprised. Surprised. Um, just because she was really starting until they decided to put Lavoisier into the starting lineup last week. Um, and now she's out. Um, but highest possible return at that position, in my opinion, um, that they were going to get. They needed to create room because the Garza was coming back. Um, If you're getting called in Australia, you better, you're going to be contributing on the field sooner rather than later. In my opinion, Um, you've gained clearance uh, from your medical, um, your high performance team uh, to, to play. Um, She she might only have uh, been cleared to go train with them much like Dunn was. Which I'd love to see the press release that tells me that, but. Go ahead, Kristen. I'm curious if also part of that delay has also been, I don't think they've done their qualifiers yet. I'm wondering if she was yeah. being protected too for qualifiers. Yeah. Because qualifiers are still coming. For them, that makes it. Well, they, they should, there's a host though, right? So they should have, they should have auto qualified. But if they lump them together with like Olympic qualifiers, like some groups do, uh, they may still okay. have qualifiers this year. Okay, yeah. that makes sense then. I do not follow the Asian uh, Women's uh, Soccer Confederation as tightly as I do CONCACAF. Yeah. So <laughs> I was wondering because of that if maybe um, if they if they have anything that goes on around that still. Yeah, like yeah. that's a really good point, and I'll point. try to look that up. But uh, it is actually it feels really hard to follow the Matildas because uh, I went looking for an announcement with something on that and couldn't find it. So the only announcement came from the current, not, I couldn't find anything from Australia. Perhaps it's coming out now because it, you know, daylight and all that being different there, but 
you know, I also couldn't find anything on the reggae girls because they apparently don't put out any info either. So, yeah, I want to give Victoria I, a shout out real quick, just because, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, like it, it sucks as a, from a fan base segment, just because she went out of her way to really connect with the fans. I think in Kansas city, I know our supporters group got to know her a little bit this season and had some outings where we got to hang out there a little bit and, it, I just hope she knows how much we love her back here in Kansas City. I know, I mean, I know she said she does and everything, but that's one of those players that I know FC Casey, we have our people like that. And I know she's one of those that's going to always kind of have a special place with Blue Crew just because she really made a point to represent the city and get to know the city and was proud to play here. Yeah, it's it's one of those yeah. moves that I definitely understand the move and I understand the the need for mm-hmm. it and the return for it but she was such a classy person every time that I've ever had to deal with her that you, you can only wish her well, except when we play against her and then we hope she sucks. Yeah. And that was I, much message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think I, it would have been great to see more like final product from her. And I'm, you know, I think at some point when you have a a roster this deep um, and the competition happens, then like, if you haven't grabbed that spot as yours, 100%, then I think, uh, you know, um, you, you kind of open, it it opens up for moves like this to happen in a way, um, which is just part of the business here. Um, and, and, and that's the sucky side of sports is that this is the business. This is people trying to think about, um, how can they always be better? And sometimes that's going to supersede the personal aspect of, you know, how good of a player she was in the locker room and how good of a person she was in the community. And, you know, it's hard to trade those pieces away, but that's why you get big returns like you did, um, because, uh, they are that, that, that surprisingly big returns mm-hmm. um, huge return yeah but you, you don't pay 200k for the locker locker room person you, you're paying 200k no. that was that's a that's essentially a lynn williams which no yeah. offense to victoria but that's what yeah. the highest scorer in the nwsl that was active coming into this year mm-hmm. versus a midfielder who had a goal and an assist yeah agreed uh, yeah big return you really can't say no and uh, to that, um, and you know, if Goth- Gotham really want her, then yep. hopefully whoever the heck their head coach is going to be is actually going to use her right. All right, mm-hmm. uh, we we really are down to a minute now. I know I kind of said that earlier, but <laughs> just to wrap up, uh, you know, it was fun to get together and just talk current. Except we went into national team stuff, but anyway, okay. uh, appreciate you coming on, Daniel. I appreciate you coming on, Kirsten. Hopefully you had enough fun that you'll come back on and and talk to us some more. Yes. Deal? All right. Thank you very much. And uh, I don't really have a good outing to do, but thank you. And hopefully somebody listens. Adios. Adios.